So, as I mentioned uh, before the break, I'll talk a bit about uh, this theme of restlessness and worry. And those two come together um, as one of the five hindrances, which is a classical list in the Buddhist teachings that I'll say more about um, as we go on. Uh, but restlessness um, is, is probably a familiar hindrance without knowing its classical origins. It's probably just familiar uh, when you come and you sit and try to be still and try to have your mind behave <laughs> in the way that you would like it to. And of course, it goes in every other direction. Um, this is just part of our conditioning as human beings. Uh, and so um, we know restlessness. We also know what could be its opposite, which is just rest. Resting, to be still, to stop. When we stop, there can be uh, uh, this beautiful opening that, that occurs, a clarity when all that busyness of doing subsides. Um, sometimes we're able to see just a little more clearly and know what's truly going on. And this is how the hindrance and the absence of this hindrance of restlessness works. When the hindrance is there, what it's hindering us from is being able to see clearly our own true nature. Uh, It prevents us from seeing clearly the true nature of all things. It's a distraction. Uh, It stirs us up. It destabilizes us, destabilizes the mind, this restlessness. So I'll start with um, this quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who inspired the guided sit this evening, related to the rest part of restlessness. He says, my dear friends, suppose someone is holding a pebble and throws it in the air, and the pebble begins to fall down into a river. After the pebble touches the surface of the water, it allows itself to sink slowly into the river. It will reach the bed of the river without any effort. Once the pebble is at the bottom of the river, it continues to rest. It allows the water to pass by. I think the pebble reaches the bed of the river by the shortest path because it allows itself to fall without making any effort. During our sitting meditation, we can allow ourselves to rest like a pebble. We can allow ourselves to sink naturally without effort, to the position of sitting 
the position of resting. Resting is a very important practice. We have to learn the art of resting. Resting is the first part of of Buddhist meditation. You should allow your body and your mind to rest. Our mind, as well as our body, needs to rest. The problem is that not many of us know how to allow our body and mind to rest. We are always struggling. Struggling has become a kind of habit. We cannot resist being active, struggling all the time. We struggle even during our sleep. It is very important to realize that we have the habit energy of struggling. We have to be able to recognize a habit when it manifests itself because it because if we know how to recognize our habit, it will lose its energy and it will not be able to push us anymore. This is really the essence of the teachings around restlessness. That when we're sitting here, we arrive, we close our eyes, we start the meditation, we bring our attention to maybe the body sitting here or the breath or to sound or some other sensation. And uh, we begin perhaps that process of settling in. And it doesn't take long for many of us, if not just immediately, <laughs> for the thoughts to start to come in, maybe the body is uncomfortable, it really wants to move, Um, uh, we start planning things out, we start having conversations in our mind, we start having memories, Uh, we start having fantasies. All of this arises on its own. It's not because we choose it. We're not, we didn't come here to have restless mind and restless body, we came here to meditate, right? (laughs) So we didn't choose this for ourselves, but this is just part of the habit of being for us, for most of us. Um, And there can be this knee-jerk reaction sometimes towards that restlessness to start doing something about it. We start getting really involved in trying to <laughs> control or do something about the restlessness. And it, it can be tactful. There can be wisdom in knowing what tools or techniques help you to start to calm that restless mind, to ha- start to uh, let the body relax a little bit more. So there are ways that we are, we are in fact doing something actively to counteract that restlessness. But we can easily get into this cycle, this pattern of almost a restless reaction towards the restlessness. Do you know what I mean? And it seems really logical when we're in it. Like this is the key. This will, you know, this kind of energy against this kind of energy must work. But when you examine it closer, you start to realize that it just feeds that restlessness even further. We start to see 
how this habit of restlessness really operates. How are we actually contributing to more of this anxiety and destabilization in our minds, in our bodies, in our hearts? But it can take some time to begin to really understand these hindrances. They are so distracting. We get so caught up in them and so preoccupied with the images in our mind and the thoughts and the body discomfort, the wanting it to be other than it is. We get so wrapped up in it, in all of that. That's the, mo- the movie magic, right? That's the illusion of the problem. Uh, we get wrapped up in the storyline. And we forget to just sit back, turn our attention to what's really going on here. I often ask myself that question when I see myself kind of in some kind of tangle. What's really going on here? And it might take a while to ask that question. You have to remember to ask the question. So there's all these steps here. You have to get into the habit of asking that question. What's actually going on here? But I know when I do ask that question, bam, it brings me into a different state of being, into a different relationship with what's going on. Suddenly, instead of being in the tangle, I'm looking at it. I have a different perspective. This is dukkha. Dukkha is the Pali word for unsatisfactoriness or suffering. Um, it is that destabilization that happens in our in our mind and in our body. This is dukkha. Knowing right then, this isn't this isn't happiness. This isn't restfulness. This isn't clarity. It's something else. This is dukkha. And then begin to untangle what is this dukkha. And oftentimes, the easiest place we can go to from there are these five hindrances. These five hindrances are part of the human condition. It's part of what keeps us in the cycle of our unhappiness, of our longing for things to be um, different than they actually are in an unhealthy way. It's what keeps us in the cycle of uh, dissatisfaction with the nature of things, with life. Not just our life and our particular circumstances, but dissatisfied with the full condition of things. So these five uh, are really important to get familiar with. Uh, They are aversion uh, uh, to not like, to kind of push away the experience, um, wanting something other than it is, uh, and the reaction is this aversive, yuck, I don't want it. Uh, And then the opposite energy of that is desire, wanting something, uh, wanting something that isn't actually here, um, wanting something that is here to last forever. Uh, This is the hindrance of desire. 
and then there's sleepiness, or really it's it's more than sleepiness. There's nothing wrong with being sleepy. That's that's you know we need to sleep. We're human beings. This is part of our um, how our our body operates. It's more than just sleepiness because we're tired. Um, this is more classically sloth and torpor, which is more of um, a disinterest, a um, a laziness, uh, just not really being engaged in the moment. Just don't have that energy to really be there for it. Just it's a meh is is <laughs> is what it is. Is sloth and torpor, and then the opposite energy of that is this restlessness. Oftentimes, it's restlessness and worry. They've put those two together. And we'll say, I'll say more about restlessness and worry in a moment. And then the last one, the fifth one, is doubt. This is um, doubt in the practice, doubt in the teachings, uh, not just questioning. We're, we're actually asked to question a lot question everything uh, in this tradition. It's more of this, um, uh, it's not, not uh, being, being sure that we're um, in alignment with wisdom. Um, doubting ourselves often in our practice comes through doubt. So then, so restlessness is one of the five. And I find that restlessness, no matter what hindrance is present, the primary hindrance that seems to be in that tangle, I can usually find in that tangle restlessness as well. It seems to be present and easily stirred up with all the other um, hindrances. And maybe you could say that about all of them. I don't know. If you look closely, you can see for yourself. But I know that restlessness, worry, anxiety, um, this unsettledness uh, tends to go hand in hand with things like aversion. Um, so you're feeling aversive about something. Um, it's hard to feel stable and hard to feel uh like you can just rest in this moment. Usually with aversion, we're so busy in that pushing away energy that there's also this sense of uh, restlessness in the mind, a lot of thinking uh, stirred up, a lot of body discomfort goes along with it. And so you'll see that with all of these hindrances connected with restlessness. So restlessness can be felt in the mind. Um, restlessness can be felt very deeply in the body. So really somatic um, hindrance, as is the sloth and torpor. That those two have a very much of a strong energy field with both of those. Uh, one being really kind of bogged down where the other restlessness seems to be this 
um, heightened, jittery physical feeling. And we all might feel it in different ways. It might be that we feel, um, uh, feel it in our chest. It might be that we recognize it in the way we breathe. It might be butterflies in our stomach. Uh, it might be a feeling in our legs, like we just want to get up and run out of the room when we come and practice. It can manifest in many, many different ways, and it's really uncomfortable. It is. It's really uncomfortable. Being restless and trying to sit still and sit with that feeling can be um, excruciating. Uh, I remember um, when uh, one of my first retreats, it was in... I. Uh, early on in my practice, was just really inspired and wanted to go to um, where some of these teachings, um, just the lineage of the of the teachings, were being um, preserved and and taught. So I went to Thailand, and I spent um, a good amount of time in Thailand and in different monasteries. And so I was in a monastery, one monastery, for about a month and uh, practicing on retreat there during that time. And um, it was a really rigorous schedule of uh, walking, sitting, and, and then uh, bowing, and a whole system of bowing. Um, and the walking was done a certain way, the sitting was done a certain way, a lot of noting practice, noting, meeting as you breathe in, thinking, breathing in, as you breathe out, breathing out. As you're walking, it's lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. As you're bowing, I can't remember exactly what the words were for it, but it was, it was something like, uh, bending, touching, um, and then coming back up. And that was all day, every day for about a month. And my mind got really still from that kind of practice. There wasn't a lot of room for um, much else than this really rigorous noting of experience. So my mind got pretty settled. But every day, at, um, sometime uh, in the late morning, we all, all those who were practicing on this retreat got to meet with the head monk and... Um, have an interview with them or a practice uh, report with the head bunk. And I'd, we'd all be lined up in the hall outside of his um, interview room. And I just remember waiting for my turn to go in every single morning and having these really incredible um, periods of practice of stillness and quiet and all that stuff that you hope for. And so excited to share this with this um, teacher. And uh, as I'm sitting there waiting, the amount of anxiety and worry and planning what I was going to say and how I was going to say it and, no, scratch that out. I'll, you know, I want to make sure I make this point and, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm bragging, so maybe I won't say that. I'll say that. I mean, and it would go on uh, the whole time I'd be sitting there, just incredible uprising of restlessness, um, 
to the point where I'd get in there and I would probably, I would report something, but I'd be so out of my body <laughs> and so nervous about it. I don't, I don't think I ever really knew what I said. <laughs> I think it was just, I think I was just a bundle of nerves every time I went in there. I'm, I'm sure he thought, you know, well, who knows what he thought, but I imagine that he thought that I was, I was, you know, not well or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, uh, and it was so, um, it was so defeating. I'd come out of there just feeling so defeated. Like I was practicing so hard and why couldn't I carry that through? Like what was going on there? And I, I remember falling really easily into the self-doubt around it. Like this shouldn't be happening. I remember that really, that, that was the story that kept coming in. This shouldn't be happening. You know, I've been, I've been here for weeks. This shouldn't be happening. It's not happening in other places. All of a sudden it comes up in this instant. And just being so, um, bogged down by it and, uh, falling into doubt. Incredible doubt. Uh, that doubt when restlessness is at the heart of it, uh, it, it brings in this feeling of stuckness. When restlessness and doubt come together, there's this anxiety with the feeling of stuck. We just, we can't quite move on from it. Um, it's almost like this ongoing feedback loop. It'd be really hard to break if we're not aware that not only is there restlessness here, but there's also doubt present. We can know that there's doubt when there's that feeling of stuck. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to go next. This is doubt. And then I remember um, I'd, I'd be in that doubt, 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 and then I would crash. And I'd be in this sloth and torpor. Well, if I can't do it, then what's the point? I'm going to go take a nap, you know, <laughs> and I would go and just hang out in my room for a while and just feel really bad about myself and um, be stuck now in this meh kind of feeling like, you know, what's the point? This is restlessness coupled with uh, that sloth and torpor. Um, oftentimes, those of you who have ever experienced depression probably know that depression and anxiety, those two go hand in hand classically in psychology. Depression and anxiety, um, those energies, they seem so opposing, but um, they're, they're actually um, kind of the same, same thing, uh, different sides of the same coin, I guess although they can be felt at the exact same time. And so this feeling of, um, uh, of, of unsettledness coupled with um, the feeling of defeat, of, of just, I don't even want to face this. I don't even want to look at this. It's too much. It's overwhelming. This is often uh, restlessness coupled with um, that sloth and torpor, something to really be 
aware of and recognize when it's present. And then I, I remember those two coming in really clearly. I'm sure the aversion was there as well. So when we have restlessness, we don't love it. <laughs> We're not like, yay, <laughs> I want more of this. No, we, we usually naturally go into aversion. I don't want this anymore. How do I get rid of this? This shouldn't be happening. That's part of shouldn't be happening. Uh, this is aversion, pushing it away. Of course we're going to push it. This is a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, if someone came up to you and just started shaking you like this, <laughs> which is kind of what uh, that restlessness feels like, you'd push them away. You'd say, you know, get off me. What are you doing? And that's what we do with our restlessness when it arises. We want to push it away. We don't want to turn towards it and be with it. Everything in us is screaming, that's not a good idea. But actually, it's a great idea. (laughs) It's what is actually called for. It's what helps us go from that restless pushing away, push-pull, push-pull kind of relationship with restlessness and worry into something that is actually much more rested and grounded by turning towards it. What is this? What's actually going on here? The hindrance of desire can be the same thing. When we have restlessness and worry and desire, those two together are a really interesting combo. Uh, So we're not happy about uh, what's going on in this moment, and we can feel the restlessness arise. Well, I don't really want this, so I'm going to look for something better. I want to start at least thinking about something that feels better than what's actually happening right now. Again, a natural tendency of the human mind. Um, but what it does is it really pulls us out of ourself. Uh, desire is this kind of reaching forward into uh, either the future or into, um, you know, nothingness. It's uh, it's something usually that's not here, but it takes all a lot of energy trying to get what we don't have so that then we can be happy. That is desire, this kind of hindrance desire. And so when you wrap up the energy of restlessness with that, we're never satisfied. We're never settled. We're always going on to the next thing. We get what we want, and we're already looking for the next thing. Restlessness and desire together um, can drive us through our life for a long time before we realize that we're exhausted and we're still not happy. Some of us have actually been maybe trained in this way, to go through life in this way, to be constantly looking for the next big thing so that we can be happy. You might have even been been applauded or recognized in some positive way for having these two hindrances Uh, fuel you through your life. So it can be really confusing 
to come face to face with what it really is, uh, which ends up being very worthless when it comes to a life that is fulfilled and happy. Even if you've done lots of cool things, if you're not satisfied with it, if you can't stop and enjoy it, then it's nothing. But a lot of us are stuck in that that system and in that mode of doing. We can find ourselves in that mode in our spiritual practice really easily of always looking for that perfect practice or that perfect experience. Maybe we've even had it. And now we're on the search to get it back. I know a number of people uh, who say they spent many, many years tracking that experience down to have it one more time. And for what? Leaving a wake of a lot of unhappiness, not just in their practice, but just in, in their life. So we have to be really aware and conscious of those two um, hindrances together. So that fuel of restlessness um, with all these hindrances, it's fuel. It is. It's just like fanning that fire with restlessness. And so we have to find ways to, um, to douse that. We have to find ways to um, bring it to rest. This is uh, Pema Chodron in an interview um, a while back said that it's only when we begin to relax with ourselves as we are that meditation becomes a transformative process. The pith instruction is stay, stay, just stay. It's only when we begin to relax with ourselves as we are that the meditation becomes a transformative process. For some of us, it takes a a long time for that concept to really be grasped, to really take that in. Because maybe we've come hoping that uh, this meditation is going to take us away from the parts of ourselves or the parts of our lives that we wish weren't there. That somehow we would be able to rise above it and not have to be with any of that anymore. Um, Unfortunately, some of the um, current um, secular mindfulness has kind of gone in that direction. Not all of it, but uh, some of it is a bit more very misdirected and that it's got this focus on, um, uh, you know, this is this is all about just being relaxed and feeling good, um, and it does have that that result sometimes. But sometimes when we come and we practice, uh, sometimes we're practicing to uh, lessen that restlessness or other hindrances. But sometimes the practice 
is restlessness. You know, it, it is aversion. It is desire. It is doubt. It is that sloth and torpor. That is the practice. We can't ignore these parts of ourselves because in turn, we're really just ignoring our, ourselves. We're ignoring our life. We're not being present with what's happening right now. So the idea here with restlessness is to learn how to turn towards it. And I, I don't say that lightly because it is, like I said, it's so uncomfortable when restlessness is there and it's so distracting. It's so It takes us in many different to many different mental places. So it's hard to break that and turn towards it and say, what is really going on here? What is this? But that's exactly what the practice calls for. There are many different ways to work with restlessness, but that is really one of the main ways to work with it, is to know it. To know restlessness as restlessness. That it's nothing else than that. To know the flavor of it. To know, uh, you know, what does it feel like in my body? What does it feel like in my mind? What does it do to my thoughts? How does it relate to the other hindrances? To start to tease apart all these pieces of the experience and really understand What is actually going on here? Because it's not going to be that movie magic that's happening in the mind, all those storylines. They might be true, but underneath it, whatever's fueling all that, that's making it so hard to be with it or know what to do next, make a decision, uh, all of it, that's... It's just the storyline. It's what's underneath it that we need to focus on, not be so distracted from it. See, what is this really, this restlessness? So to begin with, we need to stop. We just have to stop with restlessness. Sometimes I say that to myself, sometimes out loud. Just stop. (laughs) You know, when the mind is just like, just stop. Not that it's going to stop my mind. Like, that's not the expectation here. It's more about my relationship with it, getting all caught up in it. Just stop. I don't need to go there. Finding some way to then uh, relax a little bit. Because of the nature and the energy of restlessness, uh, we get so wound up in it in order to really fully stop and turn towards it, it often requires us to find some way to rest, some way to um, come back to the body, come back to our senses, you know, whether it's touch, the feeling of sensations. I didn't mention sound in the meditation that we did, but sometimes that's more accessible than, than, you know, going into the body, but having um, awareness of sound can be really relaxing. Just being there with sound. That's okay. That works. But having some way to ease ourselves, 
Maybe it's not sitting. Restlessness and sitting, not always a great combination. Sometimes we got to get up. Sometimes we need to move. Sometimes that restlessness is so energetic, we need that energy to move. And so we need to go for a walk. We need to go for a run. Go for a swim. You know, go walk the dog. Go find a friend and take them for a walk. Uh, We need to find ways to bring that energy through. Um, If you find that you're sitting with restlessness and you just feel like the entire time, like you need to just get up and run out the door, you don't have to get up and run out the door, (laughs) but you might want to just stand up. Just stand up. Move the body. It's okay. You know, sitting is great. The posture of sitting is great. It does help us to get more still. And we're looking for resting, right? But we don't have to take that so literal. Uh, there are four postures in, in this practice. And one of them is walking. One of them is uh, standing up, up. And one is laying down. We don't talk about those so much here in the hall because we're sitting. But um, we can move our body in ways that support this state of rest if sitting is not it for you. Uh, so I think that's important. For some of us, that's really important. Uh, we just, we're not really sitters. <laughs> we're not there yet, right? For some, if it's... Um, if it's doubt or sloth and torpor mixed in with your restlessness, actually laying down can be really helpful. Allowing yourself to fully rest and feel completely supported by the ground. Or if you're in your bed or on your couch, feeling that full support of the body that you don't have to hold yourself up uh, for this process. Allowing yourself to be gentle. We talk, uh, I've talked a, a number of times about taking um, on this practice of tenderness. And this is that it can be a real tender practice when we're looking at um, restlessness with depression or restlessness with self-doubt. Uh, to be as, as gentle and, uh, and, and lay down if that's the posture that supports you. So there's options here. Once we find that we're in some state of rest, we can start to really look at the qualities of restlessness. Doesn't mean the restlessness is gone at this point, but just we're able to sustain our attention a little bit more than we were before. It's not that the restlessness has rested, but our attention has rested. There's a difference. Even just breaking those two apart, we begin to have more clarity about what this restlessness really is. Start to get curious about it, not take it so personal. You know, when I think about that, that story about being in the monastery and having all of that um, uh, restlessness arise and how personal I took it, it was part of, part of what was going on. 
it was my failure as a practitioner. My, you know, there's something wrong with me. You know, those kinds of thoughts. We take these states really personally, but it's really just the human condition coming through. There's nothing special about any of us having any of these states. Um, it's just as normal as it could possibly be, but we can take it really personally and sometimes feel really alone in these states. But these are, these are recognized um, by us all. And uh, they're states that they come and they go. You know, some of us, they, they're here a little bit more or a lot more. You know, we usually have a hindrance of choice. <laughs> Not of choice, really, but, you know, our conditioning has uh, a hindrance of choice. It's part of maybe our personality or our history, um, our lineage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's just normal. But we don't have to take it so personally. It's not something that necessarily belongs to us. Uh, We don't have to hold on to it so dearly as part of our identity. We start to look at this as we begin to understand and know uh, this particular hindrance of restlessness. When that becomes impossible, we just feel like we can't um, settle and we can't look closely at restlessness, at anxiety. Uh, There's some other options that the Buddha offers that I find really relevant uh, to today. One, I was actually, I remember reading this uh, the first time feeling very surprised that um, this was a recommendation. But that's of um, cultivating gratitude when there's restlessness uh, present to cultivate a practice of gratitude. And of course, right now, gratitude in positive psychology, well, for some time now, is really wildly popular. Um, so it's, it's not the new mindfulness, but it's definitely um, out there as one of the major positive psychology techniques, uh, the practice of, of gratitude. And it has an effect on our mind. It has an effect on our perspective. It is restful when we see our life in more of an abundance rather than in a state of lack. Uh, We begin to relax a little bit more. And I say this knowing that we all have uh, maybe different history with the feeling of abundance and lack. Um, But we can all find, I think it's a human ability to find something in our lives that we can feel thankful for. Um, And so when we focus our minds in that way, this is a beautiful technique to help bring... um, the mind to that settling point, that pebble that starts to settle down, we can see that start to happen with the cultivation of gratitude. Um, So something to try. And then another recommendation, high high recommendation, 
was to seek out people who have wisdom, who can listen, um, who can offer guidance that is wise, to actually go talk about it, to share your experience with um, uh, Kalyanamitas, your spiritual friends or um, the people in your lives that, that um, you know you can trust. Um, so do take your friend for a walk and talk about it. You know, this isn't meant to be something we have to go through alone. And the Buddha recognized that. In fact, uh, much of his life was spent in community. Um, traditionally, these practices have been done in community. And although there can be a lot of silence, if you've spent time in a monastery, they're not that quiet. <laughs> There's a lot of sharing and consoling and questioning together. Uh, this is part of our, the process. It's meant to be part of the process. As human beings, we're social beings. And that although we come here, there can be this idea that this is all meant to be done in our, on our single little islands of our cushion and, or our chair, and then we go home. Um, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it at all. To really truly cultivate ourselves, to see our blind spots, to um, check in on whether our understanding is really clear or not, to have people push us, push our understanding um, is important. It's incredibly valuable and highly recommended, especially with this practicing uh, with restlessness and really understanding it actually using the wisdom of others to help ground you, to help settle you. Um, Maybe I'll stop there so there can be a a little bit of time for questions or comments. Um, but I hope that was that was a helpful reflection on the topic. Um, I do have a microphone here that we can pass around if you have questions or comments. And just make sure you talk into the mic because we have some people using the listening devices. Thank you. That was really, really good. Very useful to me. But um, I've dealt with anxiety for most of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's usually been about specific things. Mm-hmm. And the last year or so, I've just started to have anxiety, and I don't know what it's about. And I find it very, I find it hard to turn towards it yeah. because I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. Do you have any any suggestions? That's great because yes, it definitely can arise in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's around something very specific, and we know why it's there, and it can easily arise, and we have no idea why it's present. Mm-hmm. And so my. Um, What I find useful in those moments is not to try and figure it out. Even that idea of, I, I have to figure this out, you can see, 
there's a tightness that arises. There's um, that an- anxious doing that is coupled with that thought that doesn't lead to figuring it out. <laughs> it just feeds it. And so instead of trying to figure it out, um, start with something that's easy for you. So it might be um, starting with some kind of relaxing uh, posture, whether it's the walking or laying down or sitting, something like that. Find a relaxing posture and notice the feeling of relaxing, even if it's just a little bit. It doesn't mean the anxiety or the restlessness is gone, but that there's some acknowledgement that maybe two those two things are coexisting in this moment, or maybe they're kind of back and forth really quickly. Um, and then from there, from that place of, of relaxation and rest, the little bit that's there, using that energy to then turn towards it. So what is, you know, what is this? Not what is this all about, <laughs> but what is this? Oh, I feel it, you know, in my chest, or I, I feel it in my thinking mind, or, you know, whatever it is, and start to untangle. Are there other hindrances present? Sometimes the way I work with this is so gentle. I just will, you know, almost like that throwing in of the stone into the water. I'm just throwing in these questions to the experience. Are there any hindrances here? And seeing, you know, if something bubbles up. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a version here. You know, and just allowing for it to arise. Or I can't tell because all I can experiences the restlessness. Well, what is that a restlessness? What is what does that feel like? And just, you know, really gently putting that question out and then seeing what comes back. Um, giving it lots of space uh, as you work with it. Come into it and out of it as much as you need to. So you might spend a moment with it and then retreat. <laughs> that's okay. You go back in when you're ready, and then, you know, okay, that's all I'm going to do. And you just keep coming back to it, but you can take your time. Take your time with restlessness. If you rush it or try to rush it, it just feeds that that kind of energy. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else? Well, I would say I have a lot of experience with anxiety as, as well. And I was just going to offer something that's been helpful for me when um, anxiety is, is getting in the way of my being able to sit and meditate. And that is um, to place my right hand on my abdomen mm-hmm. and my left hand on my heart. Or you could do vice versa. It doesn't really matter which hand goes where. But basically the abdomen and the heart, and it's almost a very kind of, um, you don't have to do anything (laughs) really other than that, because, uh, and then I try to, you know, focus on my breathing, or just, and it really does, um, because it's bring. I mean, I think it's bringing me back into my body, but there's also, you know, the kind of tenderness that you're talking about, I'm being, uh, in a physical way, I'm being tender with myself, and after a while, my body starts and my mind start to 
settle down some. Doesn't always work, yeah. but it, yeah. I, I, I found it very helpful. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Maybe one more. Yeah, go ahead. Where in Thailand were you? Uh, that, <laughs> um, that was in Chiang Mai or in a monastery, Wat Doi Sutep, uh, which was, I believe it's north of, of Chiang Mai. Uh, but I was kind of all over. Uh, uh, both monasteries and, and, and then traveling to different cities at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Easy question. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for your attention. We'll dedicate the merit for the evening. So dedicating the merit, if you're new to this practice, uh, this is a time to acknowledge that even if we come here for ourselves and for our own benefit, uh, the ripple effect of coming and practicing um, and cultivating your hearts and your minds in this way, that ripple effect goes outward. It doesn't just affect us. And so it has an effect on our loved ones, on uh, the people we care about, uh, the people we're around throughout the day. It goes out into community and beyond in ways that I believe we don't even understand. And so in that spirit, we dedicate the merit or the wholesomeness of this evening, the wisdom cultivated to all beings everywhere. And then we have a, a few people who are on your hearts and minds uh, tonight and we'll dedicate the merit um, to them specifically. To Tim, who is struggling with addiction and loneliness. And for so someone's brother, Chris, who's struggling with substance abuse. And for Bobby, who's struggling with finding... Uh, I think, a job at age 73. Uh, May her many, many gifts soon be shared in a satisfying, in satisfying work. So that's for Bobby. So we'll keep the three of them in our minds and hearts and dedicate the merit to all beings. May all beings... uh, find happiness and contentment in their lives. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their bodies. May all beings be free. May we all be free. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.